Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and the undefeated Nick Protopapis. Nick, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm feeling good. I just uh, did a bunch of push-ups and then I had a big protein shake and also two bananas. And so I'm feeling pretty strong. I'm just looking around the street in case a new enemy might want to approach. But right, I, uh, I I saw your I saw your last match in the ring the other night. You you made a uh, good work of uh, you know tough guy Sam. Oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking of like Smash Brothers when like you know, oh okay, like a shadowy figure reveals themselves. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm aware. I don't actually play that much, but like. It's like, what does it say? Challenger? New challenger? Uh, new challenger approaches. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, except um, it was it was Weird Sam or whatever that decided to fight me. Right. I'm glad we like shifted to this instead of the wrestling uh, uh, sort of analogy that I was going for because I don't know anything about wrestling and I'm pretty sure you don't either. Uh, I mean, I've seen like, <laughs> I've seen Rocky and I've uh, <laughs> That's that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> most of that movie is just him running around, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know the funny thing about that is, you know, he's running around. He's trying to work on his stamina. Does that make any sense? I, I can never decide if that makes uh, any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Does running around give you stamina, stamina for being punched a lot? Like... You know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't know about that, but it gives you stamina for, for running around. So you mean like in the in the boxing, he would like tippy-toe? Kind of <laughs> that stamina, that's what he needed? See, I always thought the problem was like the stamina of like how many punches can you take to the face? I guess mm-hmm. it was just the running. I guess it was all the running you do. You Maybe know, like, like, you know, he was trying to build like his speed stat when really he should have been going for like, you know, defense or HP. HP? Health points. Yeah, hit points. Hit points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. How would you how would you, I guess yeah, I guess what he should have been doing is staying in one place and letting someone punch him <laughs> almost all the time. <laughs> until his face yeah. got stronger. That would have been sort better. Sort of becoming the punching bag in yeah. a way. Yeah. Sort of, you know, spending time with all the punching bags, blending in. You know, you go na- going native with the punching bags. Right, yeah. Living hanging himself from the ceiling not talking <laughs> that would have been a good movie mm-hmm. oh yeah would watch yeah hey uh, what's with all the rocky sequels you know uh, i don't know i've uh i've never seen one rocky movie <laughs> yeah but do people care about the sequels uh i don't know i know people like creed which is a spin-off that came out like a few years ago right it was the son of the guy he fought in the first one, right? Or something? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know right. anything Maybe. about Rocky. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about Rocky either. I just, I guess I had this idea that like people care about the next Rocky movies. And it's like, what do you care about the... Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Rocky's got pretty much one thing going for it. And it's that song. It's that killer song. It's so good. Right. You know <laughs> how like... it goes. We don't even need to play it. No, we don't need to play Joe, I mean... That that I think that's in the running for best song ever. Yeah, you know I mean? we would also get immediately arrested if we played that music on our podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you play one of those ads, like you know, the old lady's getting kicked around in an alleyway. It's like stealing music is a crime too. You know that <laughs> used to be a thing. Uh, I remember, like the, I think these are still there, like the FBI warnings. Uh, no, not the warnings. The, or like you know, the uh, have a little narrative. Oh, the like, like uh, piracy is not a victimless crime. Right, right. The one where it's like a, an actual crime. <laughs> 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 then it's like you're bad too. You're basically kicking this old lady. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was. That did was you ever watch? Um, did you ever watch the Proud Family on Disney? No, what's the Proud Family? I haven't even heard of that. Uh, you know, it's it's a sitcom sort of cartoon. Uh. And there's this one episode where like the the little girl gets really into to piracy <laughs> and it's like laid out like the matrix what that's funny which is incredibly goofy i guess what i'm asking is what's the moral in that episode uh i don't actually remember it's probably though to piracy right <laughs> i think it's anti-piracy but it, i also remember it making like 
it made piracy look super cool. <laughs> oh. Well, piracy is super cool. It's basically being, <laughs> you know, a sea voyager who makes his own rules. It's basically a sea cowboy is what a pirate mm-hmm. is. So you're basically, I guess you're a, you're a space cowboy. No. Right. I meant to say internet cowboy, not space cowboy. Although that's what we'll do. Internet cowboy. Yeah, have, have you ever seen uh, Cowboy Bebop, the anime? No, but I have heard of that one. Right. I have not seen it, but I know it is about space cowboys. Is it, Yeah. Do you want to tell me about the episode where he does piracy and all his side characters, all the other animated characters get upset with him? He needs to learn his uh, I I don't think that is an episode that was a weird episode i don't know okay uh nick uh you got a thing for me (laughs) uh yeah i do have a thing for you except mainly it's not for you um okay i'm gonna go ahead and sort of just pitch a show that i've only seen the first season of and uh that show is the sopranos i said that weird i don't know why i said that so weird (laughs) (laughs) the sopranos that's normal i guess i've never said it out loud well not really um and it's, you know, it's an HBO show that aired, I guess, you know, the early 2000s. And mm. I don't remember how popular it is, but I know it's regarded as a really good show. And uh, it's one of those, you know, drama, like taking the the characters really seriously. Like that's sort of the focus of the show, you know, on, on, on sort of the level of Breaking Bad, Mad Men, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Peak TV. It's in that right. category. Peak TV, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, I've always heard of it. I'm sure you have. Uh, but I sort of didn't have a way to watch it for a long time because it's like, I know the people at home are, are thinking, hey, where do I watch this? Because, you know, I guess it was only on HBO. So, mm-hmm. but, so I couldn't watch it for a while, but then I was using Hulu and it was on Hulu for a while. I don't know why. Um, I don't know if you have it. I don't know if you understand that at all, but there was some there was some HBO shows on Hulu. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I watched like the first season of Sopranos and now it's gone. It, they took it away from me. <laughs> oh no did you notice that um not really i wasn't there like a thing where you could watch i think the first season of a lot of hbo shows on hulu is that what happened to me uh probably if so it, it done worked it, it worked on me i got duped um <laughs> i really like the first season and um i'll just give it a quick pitch i mean it's sort of it's a little bit confusing at first because, you know, basically the basic pitch is like, oh, it's a mobster, but in modern times. And so a lot of his struggle is like, you know, old world versus new world. So a lot of the time in the show, you're sort of, conf- I mean, not confused, but I get a little like taken aback about sort of the, the combination of the eras because it feels a lot like, you know, an older, like, you know, it feels like it could be the 70s or something. Some of the stuff he's doing, he's hanging out, he's playing cards, like the way they talk, you know. Mm-hmm. When, when you get into those scenes it's sort of you forget that it's so modern and then like they'll go and they'll play like a, a cake song in the middle of like one of the scenes and I'm like, <laughs> what is going on and then i remember that they all have like phones and like you know part of the struggle his struggle in the show is like old values versus like his own like depression and psychology so kind of the twist thing is that he has to see a therapist um mm-hmm. And the way they cut up a lot of it is like sort of, you know, scenes in his life. And then it cuts with him talking to his therapist in the middle. Like, you know, like when you, you know what it is, like when a character's telling the story and it, it flashes back and stuff like that, except it's not exactly a flash. Yeah, yeah. It's a little ambiguous, but it sort of, it cuts that up like that. And um, yeah, uh, it's a little bit, you know, I, I was thinking of it in my head a little bit as a combination of Breaking Bad and uh, Mad Men because, of course, all these shows are very focused on, like, the psychology of the characters and they hone in on different side characters. Everything feels very fleshed out and very, like, you know, well-written dialogue, all of that. Um, but it, it's sort of a combination in that, like, Breaking Bad has more of an ongoing storyline and Mad Men doesn't. Mad Men is sort of like a, a sitcom and then it's, that, it's sort of like just opening a window into this person's life. Like, none of these plot threads are necessarily going to continue except for, you know, the character stuff. And so this one, I I didn't know exactly what to expect. I thought because it was, you know, mobsters, I thought it was going to be sort of more of a continuous thing like Breaking Bad, but it it is really somewhere between um, because it's, 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 you know, I I found it to be more like peeking into Tony Soprano's life um, every once in a while. But the thing that sort of happened at the end of the season is that it, it, it sort of bookended nicely 
with one of the one of the relationships that he has, which is the relationship with his mother, um, and it's it sort of came full circle, and I, I really like that. It reminded me of um, Better Call Saul did that with the you know Jimmy the main character's relationship with his brother, and you sort of don't notice that that's the main focus of the season or anything, but when it does come back in sort of more heated and like the conflict is you know the escalation of the season, then you sort of get the idea of like oh this is what this was all about that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting, but it's not, you know, I'd say it's more exciting in the sort of character stuff that's going on, for sure. You get, you get, you know, way more of that, like his own, like, psychology. You get Tony, and you like him a lot, and you, you, you get his struggle, like, you know, his son plays too many video games, gets grounded. His daughter, his <laughs> teenager, should get into drugs. You know, his marriage is unhappy. He argues with his mother, all this regular stuff, and you sort of get wrapped in that. And then, it, it you know, there was this one moment for me that sort of, changed the show from being all right to, you know, very good. And it was actually, it was just the second episode, but sort of at the end of the episode, he gets mad at someone who works under him, who it was a funny bit in the whole episode. He like, this guy can't like understand how phones work. He can't like open another line and he keeps screwing up. And it's a recurring bit in the episode. And at the end of the episode, Tony's really stressed. And this guy that works under him is like screwing something up with the phone. And Tony picks up the phone for him, which is, you know, just to be clear about the era, this is like a, you know, a pickup <laughs> phone, but it's, and he takes it and he punches the guy in the face. Like, <laughs> it's sort of this moment where it's like, oh, I forgot that this is like, he's a mobster. Like this is serious business. And it, there's mm-hmm. all these moments like that, that hit you where, whether it's like, I forgot that this was modern times or I forgot that like, you know, he's a guy who kills people and like, you know, is a criminal. Like um, it, it's sort of a fun dynamic between those two things because it's never like overwhelmingly the the mobster stuff. And then it, it sort of, it comes in pretty casually, which is, it, it's just sort of haunting and like just a very, it's a very good emotional, like little shake every once in a while. And uh Yeah. And he's in therapy. He's doing better so far. But I, this is one of those shows that I would recommend to anyone. I don't really know where it's going. That's that's fair. I've only watched one season, but I think I'm hooked. So, there you cool. Go. Yeah, uh, Sopranos is definitely a show that I mean to check out at some point. And given that I've, you know, gone into Breaking Bad lately, uh, I'll probably view that down the pipeline. I imagine. Cool. Yeah, I just I don't know where to watch it now. Mm-hmm. It's um. I mean, I think HBO is the idea. Ah, yeah. I don't have uh, HBO. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I had I had a good run on Hulu. I was really happy to watch it on Hulu for a little. <laughs> Should the audience know that I'm using your Hulu account? It's a little intimate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that. We're dancing around that, but uh, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. where I got the opportunity to watch it. So thank you for that, Joe. Of course. Oh, I forgot to mention that this isn't for you. This is for your brother, Ben, who is like almost watching the show, but I want him to really watch it. So Mm -hmm. it's really good. You should watch it. (laughs) We we know you're listening. Uh... (laughs) We know you're there. (laughs) Stop laughing. um... Please stop laughing. We're trying to do a show here. All right. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, my thing this week is a comic from the early 90s. Uh, It's a Daredevil comic. It's called Daredevil Man Without Fear. Um, And so what this is is a five-issue retelling of Daredevil's origin story, uh, which is actually very extensive because it involves a lot of uh, sort of years-spanning events, um, you know, from matt murdoch being a, a kid and his dad's a boxer um to him like being trained with uh with uh, stick uh who you'd recognize if you've seen the the daredevil tv show um to him like eventually you know coming back to new york and and fully taking on the the superhero role um so the the main hook of this is that it's just really well told and well drawn uh it's written by frank miller uh, who's a writer that I am normally not a fan of. Uh, he's written like, you know, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, which is obviously really important, uh, and some other stuff. Uh, and then, you know, in the past 15 years, he's written a bunch of garbage. Um, and it's drawn by John Romita Jr., who's, I think, I've, I've read a lot of X-Men comics, and he's done a lot of work for those. Um, but in this, he's doing basically the best of his work that I've ever seen. 
Um, his his layouts are just really incredible, um, and they pair really well with the the rhythmic dialogue uh, that Miller sort of has a penchant for, which I think works with Daredevil more than it does uh, with other characters that I've seen him do it for, uh, just because uh, to some degree, Matt can be that kind of character, I think. Um, it's usually third-person narration, uh, which also helps. Um, you know, my, my, uh, my major gripe with this book uh, sort of comes down to the way that, that Miller writes Electra, who shows up, you know, in the first few issues um, and then kind of drops out of the story. Um, and really how he writes women in general, because, uh, you know, to say that he can't write women to save his life would imply that he has an interest in in writing women as things other than, uh, you know, sexy plot objects. Uh, <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> Electra is a pretty sexy plot object. <laughs> but she should be more than that. Um <laughs> You know, her her job in this is to be, you know, hot and also kill people, uh, but like in a hot way. Um, and that's like 80 to 90 percent of her character. Oh, yeah. um, that's actually all I know about her. So <laughs> I, don't know, I've read it, I don't know anything, anything else about Electra. So this is, this yeah, is she's... shocking to me that she should be more than that. <laughs> I mean, the thing about Electra is that she's really only important in like, you know, one or two stories. Um to my knowledge, I know she has solo stories. I, I I don't know that much about them. I assume that she's more of an in-depth character there. But like uh, recently, in a lot of the Daredevil books that I've read, you know, she'll she'll show up for like, you know, a few issues, uh, but not really as much of a major character. Um, like you know, in the in the Mark Wade run, she she's barely there, if I remember correctly. Um, anyway, um, you know, the the other sort of unsettling thing about this book for me um like the thing that would make me hesitant to recommend it either even though otherwise uh, i do think it is very well told and and even though like i'm not the biggest fan of uh ramita jr's style like i think you know it's a really pretty book in this sense because um just sort of the way that the narrative is told really complements sort of sort of its um it, its tone um you know, I, th I think the other major problem is also related to the way that that uh, Miller is writing women, just because there's a decent amount of of creepy sexualized violence in this book. Um, in particular, there, there's a part in the second issue uh, where a woman is is killed when she's wearing just her underwear, and that moment is revisited over and over again as a uh, as like a, a moment of trauma uh, for Matt um, because he accidentally killed her. Um, but also for the reader, it's supposed to be sort of titillating, which is just really gross because it's a dead person. And it's also this extremely violent context. Um, you know, uh, backing off of, of the, the harsher criticism, even though I think those are two very important points. Um, one of the coolest things about this book is that like a lot of the best superhero comics, it, it, the setting feels very alive. Um, you know, Ramita and Miller's New York has this really incredible character. And I think that's really cool. There are these great scenes where like the snow is coming down and you can see like the, the city skyline. Uh, and I really love that. Um, you just like, snow. you know, it's, it's sorry. I remember this. You like snow. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's about all I have to say about it. I think. You know, it's a really good introduction to the Daredevil character, uh, you know, in comics, at least. Um, there, there are other Daredevil runs that I would recommend above it, but this is, like, my first time reading this uh, particular series. Um, and so I, I think it's interesting for that. Um, and it's definitely, you know, cool to see Frank Miller in a place where I don't, like, just hate his work. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's about all. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty solid. Is it, listen, is this the one? I don't remember. Is this the one with the cool cover, with like everything is written as the sounds outside of him, or is that something else? Uh, I think you're thinking of something else. This has um, 
it's the same sort of uh this won't help you uh but it's like i think it's the same kind of um sort of logo that they give all of the marvel miniseries from the early 90s oh now i remember yeah it's this one yeah never mind <laughs> yeah this is older than i remember yeah uh, i uh, yeah. at one point i had the big old book of this mm. um yeah like the ultimate like a hardcover it was pretty pretty cool yeah a lot of a lot of miller's daredevil work has been like collected in that format yeah. um just because it's considered so seminal i haven't gotten to I read this as a precursor um, to like reading uh, his actual like main run, which is like one of the only Daredevil runs that I haven't read before, um, or at least the only uh, one of the only big ones uh, that people really like. Uh, so I'm interested in getting to that. Uh, yeah, shall we move on? Yeah. Okay, today we are talking about uh, Bravest Warriors Seasons 1 and 2. Uh, this is a web series uh, created by uh, Pendleton Ward, who you'd know from Adventure Time, uh, and uh, Breen Burns. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, who was, I believe, in more of a dominant role for this, uh, since his name is uh, pretty much in front of every episode. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't really, I mean, the cool thing about this show is that it's all on, I mean, at least the first two seasons is that they're all on, um, they're all on YouTube and they're, it's like the whole thing is like two hours and it's, it's sort of like adventure time, but the episodes are half the length and way faster and there's just less of it. It's, it's like, for me, it's sort of like adventure time at like times two speed. Sort of. It's, um, it plays a lot with kind of the, the archetypal uh roles of like the cartoon protagonists um that you would see in sort of that era this came out in about 2010 i think um and so you you have you know sort of an understanding of like okay this character is the leader this is the the you know goofy sidekick this is the cool guy this is the girl um <laughs> And, you know, to some degree, the characters evolve beyond that and other what and um, on the other hand, sometimes they don't. Um, but because the show is playing with those archetypes, they can put them in very uh, wild situations um, and it will, you know, the, the audience can pretty much immediately understand it and get on board with the, you know, comedy or action that is happening. Yeah, this show has, like, the least exposition of anything ever. Um, <laughs> it just starts, and, like, the way, like, after... I think that, that the weird thing about this show is that it's sort of better on a second watch. Because there's yeah. so much going on so quickly that, like, when once you understand exactly, like, the characters in the situation, you can appreciate, like, the first few episodes at least, like, way more. Um, because it just sort of throws you in there, and it's like, all right, these guys, this team is like even me explaining this is going to be like more explanation than they give you but like they're a team they're the bravest warriors you got chris you got danny you got um wallow and you got beth and they're they're a team and their parents used to be heroes and now they're the bravest warriors um and and then and then it's like and then they're just like in a situation and then like some other exposition you might want is sort of like all right you know and you get these you know a couple episodes later it's like oh chris chris and beth you know, sort of into each other. Uh, then you got like the powers they have. They have like these stickers that if you rub, they each have like an animal like weapon or something. That is, yeah, I never really get that. But like that's just which a, is it's it's super toyetic, which is interesting because I don't think that they made like many bravest warriors toys because it was like an it was a, a web cartoon. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's sort of fun. It's funny. Uh, and the weird yeah. thing that the, the, a lot of the first few episodes do is just sort of like have something that is, is unusual going on, which you, you sort of don't want in a first episode, first few episodes. But like the second episode, like Danny, one of the main characters, is just like insane for the whole episode. That's the wildest thing to me is that they went with the second episode, like weird stuff is happening. And it's just so confusing. Like, like Beth's like, oh, I grew a tail. And you're like, is this normal? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Um, but that's definitely some of the fun of the show. It's just sort of like the randomness that you get in like also Adventure Time. It's like, like one of one of the things I always remember is like 
calling something space chickens and it's just like pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing is really funny. Um, yeah. And like eventually you sort of get, you know, get in the vibe of the logic of the show. Um, and like you get used to the sort of thing, but there's like a new character introduced and then it's like, Oh, she is also a mermaid at the end of the episode. And it's like, <laughs> what? Um, and then, you know, it's really fun. You get these like totally wacky characters. Um, not, not just wacky in their personality, but also like their design and like, it can be super cute. You got, there's a lot of like very cute animal sidekicks. Um, and I think that's fun too. Yeah. I mean, branching off of that, I, I think, you know, the show's strength, uh, at least um, sort of once it grows its own identity um, is like that snappy pacing. Um, a lot of the episodes are constructed in this manner. I was telling you before the show, um, where, uh, kind of, kind of, you know, every line of dialogue is either designed to be a joke or to, uh, give necessary exposition, uh, and like move the plot forward, um, often at the same time. Uh, so you get these really solid five minute chunks where like, it's not the most compelling narrative, but it's also really fun and funny and it's an interesting scenario. Um, and later on, they, they do sort of develop their character work, even if I think that it's never the strongest. Like, I, w I, I would never call, you know, really any of the, the Bravest Warriors cast, like, truly three-dimensional. Uh, you know, I, I think Chris and Danny, uh, who were sort of the, the two leads, kind of approach two-dimensionality uh, pretty well. Uh, and then Beth and Wallow often are in the background, and we don't really get a sense of you know, they're, they're characters that I like, um, but I don't really know what they think about much that is happening to them. Uh, yeah, but it's sort of like you're saying, it's, it's because it's so simple and it's because the show never sort of bothers to like, you know, slow down or like explain something that they don't feel like explaining that you can sort of just like have a lot of fun. Like it's like you took a regular show and cut everything up. So it's only the fun stuff. You know, um, mm -hmm. and it, it's sort of familiar enough that you can, you can sort of just, you know, appreciate it very quickly. And, uh, you know, I think it's true what you're saying, but I definitely, I never feel like they like, I always feel like there's more to explore in the characters. I don't feel like it's. Oh yeah. I think it, it absolutely works for like the, the mode that they have. Um, you know, I think it would only be a problem if they were to, um, as they do in later seasons, extend these characters out to 11 minute segments and not change or evolve the characters to, to any extent um you know because uh not to talk about season three and season four too much I, I haven't really seen season four um but season three the episodes are extended to 11 minutes i believe um and the show becomes a lot more of a slog because the tight pacing is left behind and i, I believe it's different people in charge uh so the jokes aren't as funny um and so you get this show that is more of itself but it's not as good yeah all right joe you like to complain wait we're talking about the first season. <laughs> what are you doing we're talking about the first two season plus you haven't seen the third season probably in a while fair yeah i, I don't know the first two seasons are like a good chunk of thing to talk about because they're all on youtube and that sort of thing but i don't i don't yeah. really remember well i haven't seen all i, I did see some of season three now that we're rewatching it but i don't feel comfortable sort of reviewing okay um yeah and I like the way that uh, I like the way that it, like I was saying, it plays with familiar stuff, and then it sort of like moves past it very quickly, or like through it. Like there's a whole thing where, like you know, semi predictable. Like, oh, Chris is like the chosen one; he's got magic powers, and you know that whole thing. Um, and like, oh, his future self comes back, and you you can sort of you know you can kind of see through that pretty quickly. Uh, but you know, the fact that they just move it through it so fast gets you to the point where like now that character like his future self can just sort of appear and be funny and it doesn't have to be a problem of like you know like you know on a tv show a lot they're like the mentor character comes and it's like i'd like to tell you the secret of your powers but not right now <laughs> like i feel like sure. the show does a good job of like sort of just like moving through stuff like that and like focusing on you know just being funny and like energetic um instead of like slogging mm -hmm. through a plot or anything um that being yeah. said some of the romance stuff does do that somehow. <laughs> right? Because Chris and Beth, like, will they get together? And it's like, 
Like, I wish that it approached that the way it does pretty much everything else, where it's like, could we just move through this? Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It also, really, I wish they approached that with, with any level of, of depth or maturity. <laughs> yeah. Just because it, it's really, like, play, it plays out, like, either a middle school crush or, like, a, a uh, later on it becomes this, this, focal point in like the 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 future uh element or like the time travel elements of the show um which is interesting just because like yeah i get that they're friends but like i I don't know to what degree you know their relationship is really grounded in anything in their characters yeah that being said i think we all have a little piece of us that enjoys stuff like this. Um, yeah, I mean, it works. I want to. I want to give credit where it's due. Like, there are some cute moments. Uh, there's like, um, you know, a, a part in in one episode uh, where uh, it's it's the Robo Chris one, where where Danny builds a a robot version of Chris um, because he he wants Chris to be uh, jealous of Robot Chris <laughs> because Chris forgot Danny's birthday. <laughs> And there, there's a moment where um, Danny's like, yeah, uh, robot Chris is totally comfortable in his sexuality. And then Chris like gives uh, Beth like a, a quick uh, flash with his eyes. And, like she looks back at him. It's like weird. Yeah. And that yeah, was, was entertaining. Uh, but uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I like the way the sort of romance stuff ties into the the, the time, time. No, he's not a time lord. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's an emotion lord yeah I, I don't know i like that there's sort of you know he his powers come from his emotions i think that's a cool way to tie like emotional drama stuff to like power stuff um, mm-hmm. I, thought that I feel cool. like we need to take a step back because i i want to i want to say uh yeah you know, you're right more 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 than anything else i think this show rules <laughs> this show is kind of the best thing ever <laughs> hours you'll ever spend there's so many funny things going on there's there's this thing called a cat bug and it's a cat with ladybug wings and it's voiced by like a toddler with the most horrible (laughs) voice ever (laughs) he just goes around saying funny things there's this bear that's like rainbow colored but it's like a very sassy bear and like goes around with no regard for anyone else um wallow has this video game that when he wins it it spews out a snack for him to eat um what else is good <laughs> oh boy um you know i, w- I want to say that like i think you're talking about probably bravest warrior's greatest strength uh which is that it really strongly taps into the internet zeitgeist of the time of of 2013 or whatever um it's extremely of its time but in a really smart way <laughs> yeah it's got, it's got a lot of like I don't know what to call this, but like slap your face once humor. And then like, like even if it's a dumb joke and it's going to come back like 30 seconds later, like at the speed of lightning, like that makes it funny. Too. Mm. I, I, it's just like, it's just, this is, this is like the train, like the jelly kid. Like that's just, it's just so funny. <laughs> it's yeah. Really like, horrible and funny. I can't, I can't think of a joke in this show that doesn't land like a few episodes accepted. Um, like, and when, even then, when you're, when you're shooting for like, I don't know, 10 jokes a minute or however much they have, um, like it, it really doesn't matter. Cause there's always something in these episodes that make me laugh. Yeah. This, this just, this, there's like the weird guy who's trying to get the key away from them. And at one point they like turn a corner and they see him again and he's like rubbing it on his butt and he's like, smile if you want more, smile if you want more. <laughs> Danny just like has to smile. <laughs> it's so funny. And then um, there's um, <laughs> there's a whole episode where like this is like another weird introduction of like things and how things work is that their bathroom is like a simulator. It's like a simulation while you poop or whatever. And, right. It's it's um, it's like the hollow deck in Star War- in Star Trek, but it's the hollow John. <laughs> And it's just a stroke of genius. It's just so funny. Oh, man. And then there's, like, there's also sort of, like, continuity stuff. Like, rewatching this is just such a good, like, one of the best things to rewatch ever. Like, I, this is probably my fifth or sixth time watching the whole, like, the first two seasons. And I mm-hmm. never noticed that the president was Mr. President Fishhead. I don't know if you noticed that. 
but there's a couple scenes like this one where like Danny's like, oh, I throw up all the time when I was a kid, like at my recital for the president. <laughs> and if you look, <laughs> the president is like a suit, like a SpongeBob sort of small body suit with like a fish head coming out of it and he's sitting there. <laughs> and also like, I also noticed that like on the coins, like at one point Chris pays for like cosmic cereal or something with a coin and he like slaps mm-hmm. the counter. The coin has a fish head on it. Oh yeah. Dude, president fish hair is President Fishhead is everywhere in this show, and it's so funny. And I never know. This is my fifth time watching it. Do you understand? Like <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. It's really great. Yeah, I think you know the the thing that would you know make this show work for me even more is Danny has this very understandable backstory that is relayed in one episode. Uh, where, you know, he was a nerdy kid, uh, and he wore these funky unitards every day. Um, and he also, you know, lived in a not great place, and he was always bullied. Um, and that sort of explains why he overcompensates with his sort of jerk, cool personality uh, in the present. And he's he's always kind, like, he, he's or not, like, you know, he, he's always well-intentioned. Um, he's never, like, just strictly a jerk. But you sort of understand why he is the way he is. And I wish that kind of internal logic uh, could exist for the rest of the characters. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I I think, I don't think this is a problem of like, oh, the showrunners didn't think about, you know, what Beth or Wallow are like, because they clearly did. I think they could, like, they obviously have a really good sense of these characters. I just think that they could be more solidly communicated. Yeah, everything, I don't know, everything in the show feels, like, pre-thought out, just because it feels like I'm in the middle of a situation instead of, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like l- looking back at some of the first episode, there's, there's just little things where, like, it, it takes, like, a second out of its, like, five-minute runtime to, like, just do something a little bit extra, and it's like, oh, that makes sense, like, looking back. I, I like, um, like, they have a flashback episode, and, in like, in this one moment where, like the three other characters live together as kids and Danny is like sent home in a pod. Like, yeah. Like that's just such a little, like tiny, tiny, like this is my, again, like, I didn't notice that until probably my fourth or fifth time watching, you know, it's Mm -hmm. little things like that that make me think that it's, it's thought out. And like, I don't know. I I, I can't, I wasn't looking, I can't think of other examples, but I'm sure that like when I'm watching it, I'm sure that there's just like more going on outside of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I noticed that um that thing about Danny too, and it's one of the things that sort of makes me conclude that, you know, for this show, he is the one who is most on the screen three-dimensional. He's the one that's most fleshed out, because we get to sort of see, you know, why he is the way he is and sort of his motivations for, for being himself. Um, and so he's a fuller character yeah. uh, than we get to see for the others. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think probably what's going on there uh you know is is not even to say like oh i don't think anyone uh you know i I think beth and wallow obviously have fans uh and i can very easily see why someone would be attached to those characters because they're really fun uh (laughs) it's just i i think their their character traits are 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 less obvious um and, and less clearly communicated uh than danny in particular but even chris yeah not to not to harp on this point. Yeah, you wanna list out some some other just fun funky things about the show. I don't know. This one. Uh, yeah, in uh, there's an episode early on where the characters are on a space bus and they all lose their memories. Um, the third episode, which is you know, like the second episode is like Danny is weird. The third episode, they all lose their memory, and you're just like, ugh, it's so funny. Like, yeah, how is this? It's a wild move. Yeah, how is this <laughs> because they everyone loses their memory and it's reintroduced. Like, <laughs> well, because the funky thing about like ev- in everybody loses their memory episode is that it really should only work with previous context. Um, but you know, for this show, I think they find a way to make it work pretty damn well. Um, <laughs> yeah, which a lot like, of it, you know, treating it like a joke and explaining it last minute is sort of. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the one where there's like they're fighting this battle with these like bug things, and then <laughs> at one point, towards the end of it, like the emotional thing in the episode has already happened. And the solution is that, like, you know, Chris's older self is like, I can't help you, but I can make the enemy be able to read your minds. And then, <laughs> and then 
then the like the little bug guys stop shooting and they come up and they're like, Hey, we really understand you now since we can read your minds and like the conflict is just sort of resolved. Like I, I like things like that. Yeah. I think that's actually one of the, you know, if this show has any coherent messages and themes, I think that is actually one of the more prominent ones. Uh, just that, you know, sort of people get along when they understand each other, which is pretty basic, but it, it's definitely there because you have other episodes uh, where, for example, uh, you know, Chris uh, is running away from this uh, from the serial master uh, who made him serial um, and, and sort of uh, she's explaining why she's insecure because of her father. Yeah, while well, taking him. Yeah, and, then he, <laughs> and he sort of helps her out. Yeah, and then she stopped it. Um, and he's still like running home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's the other episode with uh, with Wankershim. Which kind of also implies this this sort of communal melding of the minds. Well, that's another great example where like everyone's freaking out, and then it sort of just happens, and they have to accept it. Wankershim mm-hmm. just absorbs the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff. This is um, there's a cat bug focused episode in season two that I know neither you and I really like, but it does end with the universe reorganizing itself to orbit around this one planet, (laughs) which is just a wacky high concept idea that I really love. Yeah. Actually, I just changed my quote for the end of the episode because I didn't think of this before, but now I did. So (laughs) I'll treat for you. I think you know what it's going to be. Yeah. I I think I might. Um, Anyway, the the episode I mentioned earlier... um, Sorry? Which episode? Uh, <laughs> it's the one where um, they all lose their memories. There are just some great gags in that. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, you see the bus, and it's got a sign on it, and the sign says, Signs, they're everywhere in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what else is in that episode? Oh, the jelly kid. There's this, like, jelly mm. man, and he just, he goes, Psh, and then bread appears, and that's it. That's his <laughs> Uh, the episode later on where uh, he has a fake funeral oh yeah that was really good too <laughs> I like the way that Kinda, almost my favorite episode of the show in some ways I, I like it's Danny, really well constructed Danny is attached to the jelly kid the way the audience is which is just like it's just sort of cute and like that's why we like it <laughs> I, I just think that's really great mm-hmm. that was funny too because Catbug kills jelly kid and then like yeah. sort of like a child and one of the characters like Kappa, you don't you can't just kill people. And Kappa's like, whatever, Danny's not even that mad. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> you know what um you know what Beth says about that? She says, It's animal instinct. We can't hold Catbug responsible for his badass primal urges. Yeah, that is what she says. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Oh man. Um Yeah, those are the creatures I like. There must be some other good creatures. They're all very good. I think the show sort of overplays the evil hamsters that shows it that show up at the end. Oh, I like the evil hamsters. Oh, they're fun. I just feel like they're not as like dynamic a concept as we see with like Jelly Kid, for example, yeah, or a lot of the other creatures. But I like them, and I like that Hamster Mitch. I like that they call each other mm. Hamster Hamster Mitch. Yeah, it is a really delightful show. This is the best. This is one of the best shows. This is so good. Yeah, I don't. I don't even want to call it a show exactly, but it's like, you know, it's just really good. Everyone should watch it. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone. Okay. I wanna. I wanna sort of close out by by uh, you know saying that the way I first encountered this uh, was that there was an old app uh, for the Nintendo 3DS. Um, I think it was called like Nintendo Video or something. Um, and they had like four videos that they would cycle out each week. Um, and I guess they had a licensing deal with Bravest Warriors. Um, so occasionally there would be a Bravest Warriors episode on there. Uh, and I didn't realize the episodes were on YouTube. <laughs> so for a long time, this was how I watched the show. That's funny. <laughs> when I was like 11. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot that you and I weren't really friends in middle school when this was like super big for the people <laughs> Did we ever talk about this, or did I just like text? Well, te- talk to you about this last week, and we like both knew what we were talking about. Like that's weird, right? Uh, I did a big rewatch a couple of years ago. Okay, okay. So I think I probably, I almost definitely talked to you about it then. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Warriors. It's, it's the best. Uh, <laughs> shall we move on? Yeah, we shall. Okay, today, Nick, as we do every week, uh, we're talking about a preview that has come out for The Shadow of Kiyoshi, which is the next book in the Avatar YA book series, uh, which we you know, talked about the first book uh, sometime last year. Uh, yeah, I've been pretty excited for this book on and off just when I'm thinking about Kiyoshi and whatever, and uh, I know that you like the first one. And, you know, this is something that when it does come out, we'll definitely talk about on the show, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And we got sort of a first first look kind of thing. And I think it just starts from chapter one. Um, but, yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more hyped now. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's, it's mainly an action scene. We see Kiyoshi sort of uh, taking down uh, this, this, uh, this crime gang that's popped up. Uh, and it's led by, by Mock, who's from the first book. Right, I forgot about him for sure. Yeah, but it's it's sort of a you know Avengers two kind of hey uh, <laughs> hey um, we're back and we we've been cleaning up the messes from the first thing like um, and definitely this introduction of Kyoshi is sort of like hey I'm kicking ass um, and you sort of get that because it's mainly an action sequence here um, and she's kind of coming in and she's definitely more confident which is fun to see which makes mm-hmm. sense after her stuff in the first movie uh, movie. God, <laughs> book. Um, but she's pretty cocky towards the end, and the guy, you know, she's got she's surrounded by, I guess, earthbenders, and the guy's like, "Oh, we got you now." I don't know if he says that. I don't remember. Um, yeah, you know, something like that. And uh, then at the end, she she pulls out one of her fans because two fans uh, would be far too much effort. Right. There's that, but she's also like, "Is this everyone?" Because I don't have to go around and check for the rest of your goons. <laughs> um, yeah, which is sort of fun and. I like that that arrogance is sort of transitioning us to the Kyoshi we see in the show. Um, yeah, yeah, sort of the thing I'm interested by is um, this is kind of a drastically different setup than I was expecting uh, would happen uh, because the, the last book ended with a cliffhanger where uh, she she sees a vision of, of Kurok, who's the previous avatar, um, and she was also hanging out at the uh, at the Air Temple. Um, and in this, she's in Ba Sing Se, which is in the Earth Kingdom, and she's sort of taking down crime, uh, which I'm, I'm sort of interested by, because uh, it wasn't quite the direction I was expecting the book to immediately launch into. Yeah, we were both kind of thinking maybe like a spirit kind of problem, but that'll probably come back. Yeah. I think it's just sort of a time skip that starts the, the book off in sort of a more action-y you know, kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also think it's cool that the book is still perhaps it is expected. Uh, the uh, she's explicitly said to be like still, I think seventeen uh, at the beginning of the book, which yeah. I think is you know a bit older than she was in the previous book. Yeah, uh, but not too much. And I was sort of expecting uh, that we get Kiyoshi like maybe much farther in the future, uh, since she does live a very long time. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think I sort of realized it was going to be more like this at one point after reading the first one. Mm-hmm. The thing about Kiyoshi, I know we talked about this before, is she lives to be like 230 years old. So I, yeah. my impression of these two books that when they were first like announced was I, I thought it was going to be more of a sort of biographical situation, but it's definitely more of a like, you know, teen, it's sort of like the shows, you know, like the story of a teenage avatar lear- yeah. learning the biz. Uh, Which definitely like makes sense, um, especially since we know what happens to Kyoshi later on her, in her life. Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be better just because it doesn't have to tie in as to as much stuff, and we're sort of we already know the characters that are around her now, um, mm-hmm. so that's good. Um, yeah, just just little things that I am interested in as a you know someone Avatar fan um, is I'm not 100 percent sure, but it seems that she's going underground. It talks about levels a lot where she's fighting. Um, yeah, which is like a thing, you know, that was like a trivia thing from the first show, uh, where like bossing say used to be all underground. Um, oh, huh. and I think it talks about some of those growing, glowing crystals. It used to be like an underground place. Like the ancient bossing say is like the tunnels, you know, in, uh, in the season two finale of avatar, they go underground and stuff. That's sort of the, mm-hmm. the explanation for that. Like area is that it used to be an underground city which is just pretty cool and i like exploring it in the past 
I'm not really sure to what extent that's true, but I think she's underground in this. Um, yeah, she is. Yeah, and uh, that's something a little cool for me. I'm, uh, I guess she's cleaning up the Dao face stuff. That's sort of what it does. It's just definitely showing her as more powerful and all that. Um, we know that later in her life, she she goes through some like Earth Kingdom stuff. I mean, that's mainly what we see is like her. We know there's a there's like a peasant uprising at one point, but that's a little bit later. And at one point, there's going to be that guy who tries to conquer everything. But I don't think that's going to happen in this book, honestly. Or I don't. Okay. What do you think is the potential that we get another book after this um, and becomes more of a series? Um, I don't think so. I think it was supposed to be two books. From from what I remember, that's how they announced it. Um, mm-hmm. I think we'll definitely get more books because I, I mean, I guarantee these are selling well. Um, I don't really yeah. know that, but Avatar fans, you know, you know how it'd be with Avatar fans. Um, right, you guys are hungry. We're hungry, um, so I think we'll ravenous for content. Yeah, there's gonna be more books. I'm just not sure that they're gonna be Kyoshi books, but okay. Yeah. Oh, they've got that. That Rangi on it. That's cool. Oh yeah, cool to see. Um, and the the audiobook for the first one should be coming out soon, although it's delayed again, which is unfortunate. Hmm. Um, yeah, that is unfortunate. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, Nick, you've got a wise quote for us. Uh, I did have a wise quote, but now that I got so excited about Bravest Warriors, I'm just gonna just gonna lay down a little wisdom. You know. Okay. It's always been Wankersham. It has always been Wankersham. Always, always been Wankersham. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and Nick Protopapis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joby underscore draws. You can read my webcomic, Aeronaut, at jobydraws.com. Uh, as always, Nick has nothing to promote, unfortunately. Uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would really help with the show. Bye.